energy so stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree, we used to be so happy, used to have everything we need. Welcome to Village Mentality, where melanated people are connected in spirit, love, and community. What's up, kings and queens, beautiful people everywhere? It's your girl, C.K. McGee, and I am your host. Hey there, beautiful people. How's everyone doing? I pray that you're all doing as well as you can be. Welcome back for another episode of Village Mentality. I'm so glad to have you all here with me in the village. And you know, you're always welcome to join me each and every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I would also like to give a warm welcome to those of you who may be tuning in for the very first time. And if you're looking to see what Village Mentality is all about, then I invite you to catch up on all previous episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, and the Awakened Lounge. I also provide links to each episode of Village Mentality on Instagram and Facebook, and I will share those links with you at the end of the show. As a mental health advocate with lived experience, each week I'll be talking about different topics that could impact our mental health, particularly within BIPOC communities, but in all actuality, it really does not matter who you are or where you come from because we all can be impacted. Now, the purpose of this podcast is to bring awareness to the many different ways that our mental health can be impacted, showing that poor mental health outcomes are not always caused by chemical imbalance, but from the various stressors or trauma or circumstances that we all face from time to time in our lives. Through education and advocacy for those like myself who have lived experience, the hope is that we will be able to show up in more effective ways to support those around us that may be suffering. The stigma of mental illness and conversations about our mental health, it can be more difficult at times for marginalized and intersectional groups, and it interferes with our ability to take care of our mental health as we should. Now, Village, I cannot stress enough how essential self-care practices are for our mental health and our overall well-being. We must learn to take care of ourselves so that we can rejuvenate our spirits and souls. That way, we can continue to be the fantabulous kings and queens that we most definitely are. And I'll be right here to remind us of that fact each and every week. And if you've heard the show before, and you also know that there's plenty of music too. But before we begin, I need to talk with you briefly about the horrific events that took place this past weekend in upstate New York, Buffalo to be exact, where 13 people were shot, 10 of them fatally 
at a supermarket in Buffalo, New York, in a massacre that has been described to be racially motivated, okay? Now, the victims, they range in age from 20 to 86 years old. That's what the police are telling us. And as of Sunday, uh, the Buffalo police were able to identify the victims. And if you could just bear with me, I'm going to read their names. Roberta A. Drury, 32 of Buffalo. Margus D. Morrison, 52 of Buffalo. Andre McNeil, 53 of Auburn, New York. Aaron Salter, 55 of Lockport, New York. Geraldine Talley, 62 of Buffalo. Celestine Cheney, 65 of Buffalo. Hayward Patterson, 67 of Buffalo. Catherine Massey, 72 from Buffalo. Pearl Young, 77 from Buffalo. And Ruth Whitfield, 86 from Buffalo. Now, there were three others who were shot. Two of them were treated and released from the hospital, and the third was said to have uh, no life-threatening injuries at all. I cannot believe that we're reporting another hate crime like this, of this magnitude. And to learn that the 18-year-old shooter, who was a self-proclaimed uh, white supremacist and anti-Semite, and also a fascist. And these are the words that he has used to describe himself, 18 years old, traveled hundreds of miles to a area that he studied. He studied the demographics and he knew that this was a community that was mostly of African-American people, black people. And it was his goal, it was his mission to kill as many black people as he possibly could. And had it not been for the heroic efforts of a retired police officer, now security guard, I believe his name is Aaron Salter, was, was Aaron Salter, excuse me, uh, he would have continued beyond the supermarket to any other place where he could have killed black people because that was the goal. I, I, I just, <laughs> I'm saddened when I think about the fact that this kind of hatred continues to fester and it remains unchecked in this country. And I'm often struck by a few things. That a person with a semi-automatic rifle can go into a, a neighborhood store where people who are just going about their business, running errands, looking to be with family and friends, relaxing for the weekend, having no idea that this is about to happen to them, that a person like that can go in, take multiple lives, innocent lives, simply because of the color of their skin. And he can just come out of that situation and surrender to police and they take him into custody. No one fears for their lives. No one is scared or worried or concerned for their lives in instances like this. But how many times have we talked about unarmed black men and women who with, in their encounters with police were not so lucky? Unarmed, 
yet the police fear for their lives. And these people ended up being shot multiple times as a result. I'll even go a little bit further. People who are um, in crisis, okay? People who have been in mental health crisis, people of color that may be wielding a knife or a gun, not in their right mind, not understanding what's happening with them in that moment. Their lives have sometimes been taken as well because the situation was deemed dangerous. But how is it that a person can go and kill multiple people and be taken into custody without incident? I'm, I'm struck by that. And then also, I'm struck by the fact that there are people out there who are actually offended when the words Black Lives Matter are spoken. You're offended by that. You mean to tell me you're not offended by the fact that Black people were just killed because they were Black? That doesn't offend you. That doesn't bother you. But the fact that we say that because we're really pleading for this country once and for all to understand that the color of our skin, whether it's different from yours or not, it doesn't give you or anyone else a right to end someone's life because they're different from you, a different color skin, a different religion, different sexual orientation, whatever it may be, it doesn't give you the right to exterminate people. But you're not offended by that. You're offended when someone says Black Lives Matter. Now, I'm going to talk about this story more extensively in next week's episode. I just wanted to talk about it a little bit briefly right now, but I guess we're just going to have to keep chanting Black Lives Matter until in this country, one day, they actually will. Now, without further ado, I believe that it's time for me to take my first walk of the evening to my musical jukebox. Our first song, This Evening Village, is from the second single on this Neo Soul Queens album entitled Songversation. Now, it's been said to be a great I'm doing me summer song. Essence Magazine described the song as a feel-good ode to conquering fear and following your bliss. And they say it's the kind of song you'll be bumping to when you need to be reminded that a superhuman lives inside you. Well, beautiful people, let's check it out and see. Here's a soul sister who knows just how to make you feel good about yourself. And I think that we all need somebody like that in our lives, right? Well, here's India Ari with Just Do You.
was the power ballad Can't Fight This Feeling from the American rock group REO Speedwagon. Now the single reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and held the top spot for three consecutive weeks. It was the group's second number one hit on the U.S. charts, the first being 1981's Keep On Loving You, which was also written by Kevin Cronin. There's just something about 80s soft rock music for me that just feels so nostalgic. Well, Village, you know me. I like to take a little bit of time to talk about some things, whether it be about current events, entertainment, or something that's just on my mind. So why don't we get into my segment called Let's Talk About It. Now, we all know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and one of the most common mental health conditions that millions of people live with is depression. And there are many different forms of depression. And in last week's episode, I talked about high-functioning depression. I personally have been diagnosed with major depressive disorder. And one of the things that I've come across from time to time as a person who lives with depression is the idea that depression is just someone who's being lazy. The thing about misinformation is that it can be deadly and it could cost someone their life. 
It also leads to stigma, which continues to impact people's ability to talk openly about their condition and seek help for their condition. Now, the great thing about this month is that it provides us with the opportunity to learn and gain awareness about the things that we don't know about so that in turn, we can provide effective support to those around us who may be living with depression, which can be in some cases, extremely debilitating for those who are living with these types of mental health conditions. So I'd like to take some time to dispel some of the myths about depression, okay? So why don't we learn together? You ready? Here goes. First up, depression isn't a real illness. Well, the fact about that, kings and queens, is that depression is an actual illness with very real symptoms and impact. Depression is not just a temporary bout of sadness, but an actual mental illness. Myths state that depression is not a real illness, and it contends that depression is just a simple case of the blues. However, depression is a multifaceted condition that is caused by a combination of biological, environmental, and social factors. Depression is a mood disorder, and it impacts a person's thoughts, emotions, and actions. Depression causes a significant amount of distress and impairment in an individual's day-to-day functioning, leading to a considerable amount of emotional, social, academic, and occupational difficulties. Depression, it may require long-term treatment, and it's not always easy to overcome. Next, Depression, it only affects women. But the fact is that depression impacts both sexes, both men and women, both kings and queens, right? The misconception that depression only affects queens, that it only affects our women, suggests that depression in our kings is non-existent, and that is just completely untrue. Men may not be as likely to admit or report it due to social pressures, right? Because social and cultural norms make it difficult for men to show their vulnerability, discuss their feelings, or reach out for help. Some men fear that admitting depression will make them appear weak or less masculine. Thus, men are not as likely to identify their symptoms, discuss their struggles, or access treatment. Now, It's important that you understand too that depression presents differently in men. They tend to display anger, irritability, and aggressiveness in their symptoms. They are also more likely to engage in risky behaviors. Here's another myth that depression and sadness are the same. Again, I always say words matter and words are really important. And I feel like the reason why we have words Um, you know, to specifically denote a, you know, feeling or emotion or situation, it was intentional, right? If depression and sadness were the same thing, why create two different words? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, I just can't kind of think about stuff like that. But the fact is that there are important distinctions between depression and sadness, right? When comparing the two, it's important to take into account the duration and resolution of symptoms. Now, feelings of sadness, they do not last as long as a depressive episode, which can potentially persist for weeks, months, or even years. Feelings of sadness tend to resolve on their own, especially 
the passage of time and support of family and friends. While depression does not go away on its own. Individuals who are sad only experience feelings of sadness, while those with depression tend to experience several other emotions, including anxiety, emptiness, and hopelessness. Another myth is that if your parents have depression, then you will too. And the fact is that not everyone with a family history of depression develops the condition, okay? So it does have a genetic component, that is true but it does not necessarily mean that children are destined to develop and experience depression parents. Yes, it is genetic, but heredity appears to impact a person's risk and susceptibility more than the actual development of the condition. While it's practical to be aware of your family history, it's not sensible to dwell on it. Focusing on factors uh, that lower the risk of depression, such as avoiding substance and practicing self-care, is actually a better use of your time and energy. Another myth is that antidepressants will change your personality. Antidepressants, fact is, antidepressants target brain chemicals that have no impact at all on your personality, right? So while antidepressants do impact the chemicals, in a person's brain, they have no impact on personality. They target specific chemicals, excuse me, chemicals that are linked to depression and that do not alter the brain chemistry that's linked to personality. Let me just say that again. Antidepressants target specific chemicals linked to depression and they do not alter the brain chemistry that's linked to personality. So in fact, many people who take antidepressants report the medication helps them to feel more like themselves, right? Number six, you'll need medication for the rest of your life is the myth. But the fact is, although antidepressants can be used on a long-term basis, they do not need to be taken for the rest of your life. And I'm a witness to that, okay? You might find other alternatives, for instance, um, as opposed to taking medication. Okay, while antidepressants are often used in long-term depression treatment, these medications do not always need to be taken for the rest of a person's life. There are many depression treatment options that vary depending on the severity of a person's depression. The length of time a person is prescribed antidepressant is dependent on their individualized treatment plan and the acuteness of their depression. So I think maybe you've heard me say from time to time that while there are many symptoms, you know, for any mental health condition that we're talking about, you know, people are not always impacted in the same way or to the same degree. So not everything is cookie cut. So it really just depends on your situation and what you feel is right for you. So in conjunction with medication, psychotherapy may be prescribed another course of treatment for depression. Therapy can educate and help equip a person with coping mechanisms to manage depressive symptoms. Wiring new coping skills may potentially lessen the need for medication. However, there are instances where taking antidepressants in conjunction with therapy, it may be clinically recommended, but either way, there is no evidence to support the claim that you will need medication for the rest of your life.
The next myth, talking about depression makes it worse. The fact is that talking about depression can help lessen symptoms. Talking about depression is encouraged in order to help a person to overcome symptoms. People who suffer from depression can feel like a burden to others. And silence often perpetuates the negative stigma of mental health conditions. Talking about depression with friends, family members, or mental health practitioners can help people struggling with depression feel that they are not alone. Now I'm gonna share something with you guys. For me, I have found this to be true, okay? Um, Early on, in the early years, um, when I was really going through some very dark times, Um, One of the things that I wasn't doing was talking to people. And unfortunately, not talking to people about how I was feeling, what I was dealing with, it led to some very dangerous behavior. And so what I've learned in these years that I've been learning to manage with my mental health conditions is that it is important to talk about what you're feeling, what I'm going through. And you just have to find a person or persons that you can trust that you know for a fact are supportive of you and who are willing to meet you where you're at. That has made a lot of difference for me because now I don't tend to um, uh, or engage in behaviors that are dangerous for me, you know, because I have that kind of support system. So that is definitely something uh, to consider anyone out there who's listening right now that if you can find someone that you can trust, talk to them, you know, unburden yourself, get it out of your head, get it off your chest. Um, And just that act alone can make a difference, okay? Number eight, depression is only brought on by a traumatic event. And the fact is that while depression can be brought on by a traumatic event, it usually results from other causes, okay? So the exact cause of depression though, It's unknown, but it is thought to be a combination of biological, genetic, and environmental factors. While traumatic events can trigger depression, they are not the only risk factors. Depression can also occur without cause, even when things seem to be going well in a person's life. If a traumatic event occurs to someone already dealing with depression, it will likely intensify their symptoms. Nine. Myth is that depression will just go away on its own. It'll just disappear, just evaporate. No. The fact is that symptoms of depression rarely improve without professional treatment. Treatment is necessary in order to address symptoms of depression. It is very rare that depression will go away on its own without intervention. Without obtaining treatment, depression can persist for months or even years, or it can potentially lead to self-harming behaviors or suicide, okay? Depression treatments are effective and allow a person to return to their normal daily functioning. And it can also teach people valuable coping skills to help them manage symptoms and other stressors. Number 10, depression, it's a sign of weakness. And the fact is depression has nothing to do at all with a person's character, nothing at all, okay? Depression is a mental health condition that stems from a chemical imbalance and not from a defect or a defect in character. You're not just being lazy, okay? You're not a sinner, 
all right? You're not some kind of a loser. Like it has nothing to do with any of those things at all, all right? And to make that association is both harmful and stigmatizing, okay? No one, no one at all chooses to become depressed, all right? And again, it's only viewed as a weakness because of stigma. And society has caused that to be the case. Society has placed stigma on mental health, all right? And once again, it has nothing to do with a person's mental, emotional, or their physical strength. Nothing at all. 11, it's all in your head. The fact is depression is a legitimate mental health condition. And we have to understand that. All right. It is a real mental health disorder stemming again from biological, emotional, and environmental factors. There are many physical symptoms of depression as well, included, including disrupted sleeping patterns, fatigue, aches, pains, just to name a few. Someone who is depressed, right? They're not imagining the symptoms and it doesn't just go away. And it's not something that they can just go, uh, I'm sorry, get over. It's not like that. It's much more significant, okay? And then the last one that I came across is that, again, you can just snap out of it. And the fact is, it needs to be addressed with professional care. Depression needs to be addressed with professional care. Getting help for uh, uh, depression, it's critical to avoid negative consequences. Treatment can allow a person to restore happiness, recapture their lives, and return to normal levels of functioning. Depression is beyond a person's control and directed by larger biological, psychological, and social factors. Developing depression is not a choice, and often mental health treatment is the only way to pull oneself out of it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you, there's so many different things that I've tried over the years. Okay, and in learning how to manage my illnesses, um, I've worked really hard to kind of get to know myself, know what works, know what doesn't work. And one thing I will definitely have to concede to is, yeah, you definitely do need professional to help you out of your depression. It isn't really something that you can do on your own. And I think I said this in last week's episode, it can feel like pushing up a you know, a boulder of Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, it is something that you definitely need help with. You know, you can learn different coping, coping skills and coping mechanisms to help you deal with your symptoms. But ultimately, I even have to admit, I need some help. That's something that you can do alone. So um, with quality care, depression is treatable and it just starts with a call. So if you or a loved one is living with co-occurring depression and even substance use disorder, reach out to the Recovery Village, which is where I got all this information that I just shared with you today. And you can discuss some treatment options with them. So there you have it, Village. I hope that some of this information has at least inspired you to learn more about depression, whether it's you or someone you know that's living with this condition. It's important to know what you're dealing with if you or someone that you know is in crisis, you can call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Or you can call the SAMHSA, that's S as in Sam, A, M as in Mary, 
H S as in Sam A, their distress helpline at 1 800 985 5990. Here's better days. Okay, beautiful people. So Oprah is working on a project and she's teaming up with Smithsonian to bring us a documentary called The Color of Care. Now this documentary was inspired by the story of Gary Fowler who had COVID-19. And apparently he went to different hospitals in the city of Detroit, but no one would help him. Okay, no one would help him. So he gave up, went back home, sat in his favorite chair. And the last words that he wrote for dying were that he could not breathe. Now, Oprah said that she realized that that was something that she would do too, so that her family would be able to know what happened to her. She would want them to know what she was feeling. That's what she said. Now, she is the executive producer of this documentary, which is focused on how COVID-19 has exposed racial inequities in our healthcare system. The film from Smithsonian Channel and Winfrey um, Oprah's uh, Harpo Productions, they are directed by the award-winning filmmaker, Yance Ford. And the interviews take place with families of color who lost loved ones due to COVID-19. And they talk about the harrowing experiences that their family members faced to act care before they died. Now, in addition to the film, there's also a campaign to reach future medical professionals as well as communities that are affected and also policymakers at all government levels to start thinking about solutions toward health equity. Now, it has premiered already on the Smithsonian Channel and it will be available for free on Smithsonian's uh, channels uh, for Facebook and YouTube until May 31st. Now, Oprah goes on to say that one of the reasons that she read all the stories is because she's appalled and she was stunned. She said she didn't recognize the country where we've lost nearly a million people. And to her, there hasn't really been any form of remembering that fact that has been significant. She said nothing at the opening of a speech or mentioning it in the State of the Union. She feels that there really hasn't been a communal gathering where there's acknowledgement that this has happened to us, right? She's like, who are we that there is no acknowledgement profoundly in our society that we have lost our loved ones? And at times we weren't even able to bury them because you guys remember at the height of the pandemic, oh my goodness, I, I can't even, I don't even want to go back there. All the scenes that we would see, so many people dying and no place to be able to you know, put them, the mass graves that were talked about. I mean, oh, right? So she's she's really stunned that there doesn't seem to be any significant acknowledgement of what's happened. But 
If you want to read more about this article, you can go to the Los Angeles Times, okay? And you can also check out the documentary for free on Facebook and YouTube until May 31st. It saddens me when I think about all the lives that have been lost because of this pandemic, as well as the fact that we are not always so willing to do what we need to in order to take care of ourselves and each other. My heartfelt condolences go out to all those who have lost their loved ones. This next song was composed by Charles Fox with lyrics by Norman Gimbel. And the lyrics were actually written in collaboration with Lori Lieberman after she was inspired by a Don McLean performance in late 1971. Denied writing credit by Fox and Gimbel, Lieberman released her version of the song in 1972, but unfortunately it did not chart. But in 1973, it became a number one smash hit in the United States, Australia, and Canada for Roberta Flack. And it also reached number six on the UK singles chart. Now this song has been covered by various artists, including this group who gave us their version in 1996 with this actress, singer, songwriter at the lead vocals. Now their version became a number one hit in 20 different countries. And both Roberta Flack and this group won Grammys for their performances of this song. And both versions as of 2021 were placed on the revised list of Rolling Stone's 500 greatest songs of all time. Here's the Fugees with Lauren Hill and Killing Me Softly. Strumming my pain with his fingers Singing my life with his words Killing me softly with his song Killing me softly with his song Telling my whole life with his words Killing me softly with his song Zoo. 
Seth Roswell, my man Little Bass, Jerry one time. This is how we This next song from this American R&B duo group was released as the third single from the Boomerang soundtrack in 1992. It peaked at number three on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and number two on the Billboard Mainstream Top 40 and Rhythmic Charts, also in 1992. Now, the Recording Industry Association of America awarded the song a gold certification in November of the same year. We're selling over 500,000 copies. Internationally, the single peaked at number 10 in Canada and reached the top 50 in Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. Lots of airplay. Here's PM Dawn with I Die Without You. And when we come back, I will get into today's topic.
like to talk with you about boundaries and you know I heard it said once that boundaries are simply personal preferences that each and every one of us has but I wonder if you realize that setting boundaries is a way to take care of our mental health yes that's right there are many ways to take care of our mental health and this is one very important way to help us do that so how do we create personal boundaries to improve our mental health Well, before we can answer that question, we first need to understand just what boundaries are, okay? So, what are boundaries? There are two types of boundaries that you should create for yourself. There's external boundaries and there are internal boundaries. The external boundaries are guidelines that determine how you allow others to behave towards you. And then internal boundaries maintain balance, exhibit self-discipline, and allow you to manage your time, thoughts, emotions, and behavior. Both types are meant for your protection and well-being and should be based on your values, okay? So where should we implement these boundaries? Healthy boundaries should exist in all aspects of our lives. So let's consider the following areas, okay? Physically, it applies to your personal space, your privacy, and your body. So this includes sexual boundaries, and it determines what, where, when, how, and with whom you'll have sexual activity, for instance. About your possessions, that determines whether or not you lend or give away personal belongings. Spiritual. It relates to your beliefs and experiences with God or a higher power, nature, etc. Mentally, it relates to your thoughts, values, and your opinions. And emotionally, it applies to your emotions, your feelings, and behaviors. So we might wonder, you know, is it really necessary? You know, do I really need boundaries? And the answer to that is yes, everyone needs boundaries for good mental health. If you're able to take accountability for your feelings and actions, especially as they relate to other people's feelings and actions, it's a sign that you have strong internal boundaries. Now, if you're often feeling resentment, anger, anxiety, or feel taken advantage of, 
it could indicate weak external boundaries and that you're consistently being pushed past your own limits and values. Now, in order to set boundaries for yourself, you need to know what they are, right? You need to know what your boundaries are and they're determined by your core values, all right? So are you unsure of what your values are? Well, this is a very good time. Perfect time, I might even say, for self-reflection. You guys remember I told you that my word for the year is reflection, right? And sometimes it's important to just go and sit down somewhere and think about things, reflect on things, right? Tune into your feelings, your past experiences, and how you want to show up in the world. Think about what matters to you, okay? What are you unwilling to compromise on? Okay, I'll share something with you guys. And this is something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. There are really two things that have come up for me lately that I have decided I'm no longer compromising on, okay? So these are some personal boundaries of mine. Number one, I no longer take part in one-way street relationships. What does that mean? I no longer want to be in relationships where I'm not considered. I don't want to be in a relationship where everybody else matters except me. I want to be in two-way street relationships only, right? And so if you're finding that you're in a relationship like that, it doesn't make you feel good. It doesn't make you feel valued. It doesn't make it seem as though your feelings matter or that what you're doing is important, then you might have to look at that yourself. But I no longer want to participate in one-way street relationships because everybody in a relationship matters, right? So that's a boundary that I have set. The other is being ignored, okay? And I'm not saying like, okay, it happened once and now I'm done, no. When I start to see that there's a multiple pattern with people, who, whether it's text messages or voicemail messages or email messages or just in conversation and you're repeatedly over and over again being ignored where there's no response for the other person as if what you've said or how you've expressed yourself about any given situation isn't even important enough for them to acknowledge, guess what? I'm not interacting with those people anymore. It's just not going to happen because you want to be in relationship and you want to have conversations with people that, you know, makes you feel good, makes you feel valued, makes you feel like what you think and feel is just as important to them as what they think and feel to you. And if it gets to a point where you see this pattern, this cycle that's going on time and time again, where you're continuously being ignored and you don't feel valued, then that's something that you have to think about as far as what your core values are and the boundaries that you want to set. So those are two that I'll share with you that I have set for you, okay? Now you can use meditation, prayer, journaling, or being in nature, all right, to allow for a space of self-awareness. These realizations may not all come immediately, okay? And, And that's all right if they don't have some patience and continue showing up for yourself all right why are we setting personal boundaries well creating setting and following through with personal boundaries will help maintain your mental health boundaries can also help you to grow save your emotional and mental energy and it can act as a form of self-care hello there goes that word self-care 
see how self-care, there's many different forms of it. It's not just bubble baths and chocolate, okay? Self-care can be setting boundaries, all right? Now, you may wonder, how do you go about setting boundaries? Especially if you're a person like I've been in my life. A, a, a person who, who likes to please everyone, who's always considering everybody else, who always thinks about everybody else while you put your thoughts on the back burner if they're even on the stove, okay? How do you set boundaries if you've been that kind of a person? It can be hard, right? It can be difficult, yes, to do at first, but it shows that you take responsibility for your mental health. So try some of the following. Look at your core values, what's important to you, okay? Follow your instincts. Be assertive and consistent. Here's a good one. Learn to say no, 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 no. The word no is a complete sentence and it can be very liberating, okay? Remember that. Make sure you communicate clearly, start small, and seek support if needed, right? Being consistent with implementing external and internal boundaries will increase your self-esteem, conserve emotional energy, and create more independence in your life. And once you've made boundaries known in your life, it's natural, people are gonna try you, all right? They are going to test you, honey. Just be aware. But don't falter. You have to stand flat-footed, 10 toes down, all right? Protect those boundaries. We all have different values. We all are going to have different boundaries. And we all deserve to have them respected. So honor your needs and make yourself a priority. I know that it might be something that's hard for us to do, at least some of us. But at the end of the day, when you consider how important it is to maintain your mental health and your overall well-being, I think that all of us can see the benefit in that. You did?
R&B soul musician Dion Ferris with Hopeless from the Love Jones soundtrack starring Lorenz Tate and Nia Long, which is one of my favorite movies. She was born in Plainfield, New Jersey, and she sang briefly with the hip-hop group Arrested Development. village so it's time for this week's inspirational story and the name of the story this week is called the clay balls the clay block the i can't even say it (laughs) the clay balls please excuse me (laughs) here's the story a man was exploring caves by a seashore when he found a bag with a bunch of hardened clay balls The balls looked like someone had intentionally rolled the clay and left them out in the sun to bake. Now perhaps some children made them while they were at the beach, the man thought. They didn't look like much, but they intrigued the man, so he took the bag out of the cave with him. As he strolled along the beach, he threw the clay balls one by one out into the ocean as far as he could. Now, the balls would fly and disappear into the ocean, and he threw several of them into the ocean until he dropped one of the balls and it cracked open. Inside the clay was a beautiful, precious stone. Now this, of course, excited the man, and he started breaking the remaining clay balls. Each of them contained different types of precious stones. He found thousands of dollars worth of jewels in around 20 clay balls that was left with him. And then it hit him. (gasps) He had been on the beach for a long time, and he must have thrown away many of those clay balls, hidden treasure into the sea. He could have had a treasure worth tens of thousands of dollars rather than just thousands if he had not thrown the balls away. (laughs) Now, What is the moral of this story? Well, most of the time, we look at someone or even ourselves, and we see the external clay vessel. The vessel doesn't always look sparkly and nice, so we never bother to look inside it. We tend to see and judge a person and deem them as less important than the ones who are more beautiful stylish, well-known, or wealthy. We forget to look inside for the unique treasure that each one of us hold. May we not come to the end of our lives and realize 
that we have thrown away a fortune in friendships, love, or any relationship because we did not attempt to look for the gems hidden in bits of clay. Let's all relish the treasures each of us hold inside of us. Singer-songwriter Russ Ballard penned this next song that was recorded as a 1982 single for this folk rock duo from their album, View from the Ground. It proved the solid comeback vehicle for the group who had not had a hit since 1976. This song returned the group to the top 40 in August of 1982 with the track reaching number eight. Here's the group America with You Can Do Magic. So cool. 
Ascension, Don't Ever Wonder, written by G. Sire Hawkins Brown, is a 1996 song by American R&B neo-soul singer Maxwell with his fine self. And it was released as the second single from his debut album, Maxwell's Urban Hang Suite. It peaked at number eight on the U.S. Billboard R&B Hip Hop Songs chart and number 36 on the Billboard Hot 100, number 28 on the U.K. Singles chart. He was just on um, Billboard, the Billboard Awards this past weekend, and he did a tribute to Michael Jackson, um, and he sang um, The Lady in My Life, which is totally an undervalued song, okay? That song is beautiful, and he did a really nice job paying tribute to the King of Pop, Michael Jackson. Well, kings and queens, it looks like we've come to the end of another show. And I do hope that the information provided will be of help to you. Remember, it's always a good idea. I encourage you to do your own research, no matter what the topic is, especially if your life is involved. I want to thank you so much for tuning in this week. And I'm looking forward to being with you all again next week here in the village, Wednesday evening, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please be sure to follow Village Mentality on Instagram at villagementality.ckm as in Mary and on Facebook at Village Mentality, the podcast. You can also catch all episodes of Village Mentality on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public. And there's a link available to each episode on Instagram, again, at villagementality.ckm as in Mary and on Facebook, Village Mentality, the podcast. As well, you can catch episodes of Village Mentality on theawakenlounge.com backslash village hyphen mentality. And just remember that God has got me and he's got you too. Be blessed, beautiful people. And here's to brighter days. She's so stalling, yeah. Everybody's running scared. We used to be so carefree. We used to be so happy. We used to have everything we need. Yeah.